This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast, the podcast where we talk to brewery owners and ask questions about owning a brewery so that future brewery owners can learn a thing or two. My name is Mike Curtin, and if you haven't subscribed yet, then you haven't learned a thing. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. And if you haven't picked a side yet, well, then you're probably not into football, and that explains why you're listening to a podcast on Super Bowl Sunday. This is episode number 63, and in this episode, I sit down with Mark Hewitter of Six Harbor Brewing Company in Huntington Village, New York. Mark tells us how not becoming a statistic during the first three years of being open equates to success for him, how being a bit of a MacGyver can be a huge attribute when owning a brewery, and how their two dogs, Buddy and Barley, caught the attention of the country during COVID to help boost their sales and bring people back to the brewery once everything went back to normal. Maybe that's it. That's the ticket right there. That's what I need. If I get a dog, my life will go back to normal as well. And probably not. I'm just a disaster. Well, while I sort out my life issues, sit back, crack open a beer, and enjoy the newest episode of the podcast. Mark Hewitter grew up in West Islip, New York. As a young man, he attended SUNY Brockport. While in college, Mark and his roommate became short on beer money. They figured, why not try brewing their own beer and even help them gain popularity with some of their peers on campus? From that point on, Mark loved to homebrew beer, and only got better and better as time would go on. Mark would one day meet Karen, who had a love for being on the water. That passion is what brought the two together, and they've been married ever since. Since that time, Mark worked on Wall Street for 30 years, and towards the end of those 30 years was planning an exit strategy. He continued to homebrew in his kitchen and was even part of a homebrewing club called Homebrews and Hand Grenades. As he continued to homebrew at home, Karen and the kids just couldn't handle the smell of the homebrew in the house anymore, so Mark moved his operation to the garage. Some returned to winter, and as it got colder, Mark realized he needed to move on to bigger things. He wrote up a business plan and waited patiently for the perfect spot to become available. And when it did, he purchased it and began building what is now known as Six Harbors Brewing Company. They officially opened their doors to the public in May of 2018. And Mark is here with me today. Mark, how's it going? Very good, Mike. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being on. Thank you for taking out the time. So during that whole process, when you finally decided to take that step and open your own brewery, from the beginning, from when you first thought about it to the moment you actually opened your doors, what would you say was the most challenging part for you? most challenging part was actually writing the business plan. I ended up spending uh, a couple of years doing research, a lot of demographics. I live in Huntington, been here for over 25 years. and I've seen businesses pop up and I'm like, you know, that's a great idea for a business. I should have thought of that. Right. Or I kind of thought of that and said somebody else did it. So I finally, you know, said to myself, I'm going to, you know, create something that's unique to Huntington. And at the time, I didn't know what it was. It really kind of, you know, went back to my brewing days back in college because my roommate and I couldn't afford beer at the bars. So we ended up ordering a beer kit through the Sears and Roebuck uh, catalog. Right. Back then, something called the Internet. Right. And (laughs) we made our mash in the commissary and stunk up the kitchen and everybody hated us in the resident hall. And we ended up fermenting in our closet. And we'd have people knock on our doors 
every single day saying, hey, is the beer ready? I'm like, well, we just made it yesterday, and I told you yesterday it's going to take 14 days. Now we have 13 days. But they would not, you know, jokingly every single day say, is the beer ready? I'm like, no, it's not. But I got away from that, went to school, had a career on Wall Street for 30 years, raised a family, and got back into homebrewing and joined uh, my first club, which was uh, Homebrews and Hand Grenades, you know, run by Pete. Yeah. Uh, I saw a lot of my colleagues getting into the industry and I was looking to make an exit strategy out of Wall Street. So the biggest challenging thing was getting started. It took a lot of research, uh, ended up writing about a 35-page business plan, brought it down to the Small Business Association at Farmingdale College, uh, had them you know, take a look at it, told them to rip it apart. They said, this is probably one of the best business plans we saw. Like, awesome. how'd you get the such a great business plan. I said, well, I worked on Wall Street for 30 years and every year I had to give a business plan to my boss. So I kind of had a good idea how to write a business plan. And, there you um, go. It was really long. And then I wrote another 35-page financial plan to make sure that I knew all, taking a look at everything and uh, seeing other people getting into the industry. Uh, I finally, after writing the plan, saw the, the blueprints and the path to actually make it happen. So that was the challenging part. Once we got that going, and once I ended up buying the building, believe it or not, everything else was smooth sailing. It was just getting started, saying that I'm going to open up a brewery, you know, putting the pen to paper and putting down the first ideas of how to open up a brewery and what do I need to do. Yeah, and what was that exact moment when you decided to open? I know, um, you know, you were brewing in your in your garage and what was that aha moment where it was like we're doing this and then like the wheels were put in motion uh there's probably two aha moments one is when my wife kicked me out of the kitchen (laughs) into the garage and i'm brewing in the garage and it's freezing cold out there and i'm sitting next to the uh, mash as it's cooking to stay warm right and saying you know if i'm going to keep on doing this i gotta have some better conditions right uh and the other aha moment was actually I, I do a lot of swimming and belong to a swim. I, I had belonged to a swim club and I was talking to them about opening up a brewery and they're like, Hey, Mark, you keep on seeing and open up this brewery. Are you really going to do it? And you know, that's where my aha moment was. I got to put the pen to paper and get it going because yeah. everybody says they want to do this. Could have, should have, would have. I talked to a lot of people. They want to do stuff. And I'm like, all right, well, where's your business plan? Well, I really don't have it. I said, your business is not going to go anywhere until you have a business plan. Once you put that down and you think you have a business plan and it's in your head, uh, it's amazing how many things come out and how many rewrites you do once you put that pen to paper and start moving. I think after, you know, that and the small business administration saying this is a really good business plan, was probably the aha moment, and I knew I was kind of on the right track for something. Um, I always thought it was really important in any town, and in particularly Huntington, to be the first in the town because they have the longest staying power. So yeah. there were no breweries here. I live here, a part of the community, and I wanted to bring something that I thought that could uh, you know, be another part of the fabric of the community here in Huntington. Right, yeah. Huntington Village is a beautiful little area. I love it out there, man. It's really nice. Yeah. So you guys had opened, uh, I don't know if you're uh, Star Wars fans at all, but I don't know if you know this, that you opened on May 4th. Of May the 4th be with you. <laughs> May the 4th yeah. be with you. 
Yeah, but yeah, I know you guys opened on May 4th of 2018. You were open for about, what was it, about a year and a half before the whole pandemic hit you guys. How are things going before that? And then how did you guys go about pivoting to stay afloat? Well, things were, you know, things were going, you know, really well. We're very excited about our first year. The day we opened was, yes, May the 4th. So may the 4th be with you. Right. <laughs> um, got our CEO on 4.30 that day. It was a Friday. And so we kind of looked at each other and said, all right, uh, I guess it's time to open. So we rolled up the garage doors. We took the coming soon sign down and we didn't tell anybody. We just said, Let's see what happens because we're not really ready yet. A soft opening, so and to speak. It was amazing. Within five minutes of taking those signs down, because you know we're right on one ten New York Avenue, right. uh, and part of the research the- found out that it's about you know twenty five thousand cars go up and down that road every single day. So people must have been looking for that sign to come down. Right, right. That's and the probably- that's the main road, right? That's the main road that runs through. Yeah. Well, you have twenty five A, which goes right. east to west, and then you got. New York Avenue Route 110 it goes north, north to yeah. south okay. and so uh, within five minutes we had people pulling into the parking lot and kind of you know peering and saying hey um, we didn't see the coming soon sign does that mean you're open <laughs> that's awesome uh, and we started getting people in and they're like well how much is for a beer ago it's a really good question because I haven't finished up putting the pricing in the POS system yet so um, that was the start of our opening and awesome we did a little grand opening with the town, you know, a couple of weeks later, and we were off to the races. And then just like you said, about a year and a half later, the pandemic hit. It was the first time we shut down because we, we were open seven days a week, except for, you know, um, Easter and Christmas and part of Thanksgiving. So we're like, all right, well, we found out they're shutting everything down. The next day we found out we were part of the essential workforce, which kept our, us open. But doors closed, so we had to figure out what we were going to do. And we first opened, really focused on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and we had a really crappy website. So by closing, the pandemic really forced us to upgrade our website and create an online store for delivery, takeout, um, and curbside service. Gotcha. Uh, And so we started doing that. Um, we had gold, two golden retrievers that hang out at the brewery, the, the brew dogs. And we made a little funny video that we put on Instagram that showed, uh, Buddy and Barley, uh, running out the front door with four packs around their necks and going to the car and doing curbside service. And the customers, the dogs would jump up on the side of the car, the door, and they would take the four packs around their necks off. And that was our service. You know, jokingly had a little fun with it. Right. A CBS producer picked up on it and they saw it. And they came out and they did, uh, uh, they came out on a bunch of deliveries with us for eight hours. And we ended up being on the CBS Saturday morning news. Awesome. Uh, across the country. That really helped us, helped us with our marketing. And believe it or not, we were on the, during the week, Monday through Thursday, we were doing more business because of that during COVID than when we were open. The dogs were very instrumental in helping us, you know, get through the pandemic. And we got picked up by NBC, Channel 12, 13 different countries, newspapers around the world, you know, Malaysia, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Brazil, you know, Europe, picked up our story. We actually had a family that 
Facebook messengered us about the brew dogs and said, we wanted to reach out to you uh, from Australia. We saw in our local newspaper, Buddy and Barley delivering uh, beer to your customers. We want to let you know that uh, we had a gold retriever by the name of Barley that passed away three years ago, and we never heard of another golden retriever by the name of Barley. When Barley passed away, we got another golden retriever. We named it Buddy. So go figure. Another That's family bizarre, right? Dogs <laughs> in their local newspaper named Buddy and Barley golden retrievers, and that family had golden retrievers with the same name of their dogs. It's so um, bizarre. That's it, awesome. It was, a, it was a good story. It was a good feel-good story for the pandemic. People right. were locked their houses they couldn't do anything so they saw the dogs and even if they weren't beer drinkers they were taking deliveries because they just wanted to you know see the feel-good story see the dogs pet the dogs you know yeah. have a good time with them that's what it was really instrumental for us for the pandemic helped right. us out tremendously god bless buddy and barley i guess yeah <laughs> and then we went national we ended up on the kelly clarkson show too there you go Look at that. Everybody loves dogs, man. I, and if you don't, I don't I don't know. I don't know how you don't. <laughs> Just a, it, you know, it, it's kind of part of the brewery scene, you know, a lot of, lot of dogs at breweries. And right. we're kind of the, like the only place in Huntington where you can actually have dogs. So a lot of people take, you know, walks along trails in the past year in Huntington. And they come down to the brewery to, you know, get a beer. They don't have to take their dogs home, keep it in the apartment or at the house, and then stay at the brewery for two hours saying, hey, we have to go home and let the dog out. Right. They can bring the dog with them. We have dog treats. We have water bowls for the dogs. Perfect. Uh, hanging up on our uh, underneath our counter. They just, you know, pick them up, uh, put water in them, bring them outside, and they're hanging out at the picnic table, and the dog has some water, and we have dog treats for them. So everybody's happy. So how did you go about finding the capital to open your business? Uh, you had a very funny story about that. I went to a uh, craft brewers conference down in Washington a few years back. Uh, I think it was like 2017. And I sat down at a uh, breakout session. One of the ladies who owns a brewery out in California was speaking as part of the session. And she says, don't be afraid to go out there and give up some shares for capital. Believe it or not, I was self-funding myself uh, at the beginning, bought the building, didn't want to rent the building. The rents here in Huntington were were pretty high to yeah. begin with. Right. And I didn't want to be held hostage to somebody owning my business because of they, they own the building. Right. And funny story is my, my brother-in-law owns a brewery in Brooklyn called uh, Greenpoint Beer and Ale. Okay. And awesome. I did distribution development for him as I was going through my research on the brewery. And he had a, his first building. He was renting it, uh, had a 10-year lease. Six years into it, the building got sold. And he was paying about $6,000 a month in Greenpoint slash uh, Williamsburg. Yes, I, a- I know the building that they used to be in. I know exactly right. where it is. So that yeah. building got sold with a couple other parcels right around them for $40 million to put high-rises there. So he got a pretty good buyout. I don't know how great it was, but probably good enough for him to find another location and shut down his brewing operation for a year and have to move all the equipment. Right. The rent went from $6,000 a month to $24,000 a month. And he's been in the beer business for 30 years, so he kind of knows what he's doing. He's a numbers guy, pretty smart, and, you know, figured out he could still make it happen, and he's been very successful doing it. Uh, But I don't want to be held like that you know, here uh, for myself. So I ended up buying the building. 
but you know, getting back to your point was I was actually in the building one night after, you know, working, uh, coming in from the city, changing my clothes, going down to the brewery. I was grinding some metal out of the cement floor. Somebody was behind me. It was this older couple that was kind of standing at the door, kind of waiting for me to finish what I was doing. They said, we really like what you're doing. We love beer and we want to figure out how we can get involved. Um, so I actually, you know, didn't really have to go out and look for funding. People heard about what I was doing and they, they wanted to have a piece of it and be involved with it. So I raised some capital that way, you know, kept, uh, you know, kept most of the, the business for me, but I put some shares out there listening to my breakout session down at the CBC in Washington. Um, and I brought some investors in that, which was helpful. Uh, I really kind of brought them in more for, uh, experience. Uh, the, the couple uh, owned an asset management company in the city. They lived in Cold Spring Harbor. And uh, so they had a really good financial background that matched my financial background. But I always was an open person and always looking to listen to people's ideas because uh, I can't claim to know everything. Uh, right. And I know enough to be dangerous. So um, it's good having other people around you that you can uh, – uh, bring in as investors who can bring other attributes that they have to the table to help the business. Right. Absolutely. Keeping an open mind is, is really important. I'm sure everybody has this idea in their head of what owning a brewery is going to look like. What's something you never thought you were going to have to deal with when actually opening a brewery? You know, I'm, I'm kind of anal. It's, it's like being a small business owner. You have to be MacGyver. So you have to either try to figure out or ask somebody else, you know, to help you figure it out. Because if you keep on bringing people in to fix something for you, it's, you know, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Right. So you have to learn, you know, other aspects uh, of the business. Luckily, I said to myself, I probably wouldn't have been able to open this up, you know, 15, 20 years ago, not because of the market, more for the the knowledge. Um, I worked for one company for 26 years, had nine different jobs from customer service to sales, to marketing, uh, to management, uh, working with legal departments. So I knew how to read legal documents, write legal documents, negotiate documents, uh, market, customer service, sales, and brought all those attributes and to the, to, to the brewery. And I guess with a little bit of luck and some knowledge, it's been a fun ride. We've had our challenges, you know, going through, but it's nothing that you can, you can, you know, you can get over it. It's doing the work. It's putting the work in, you know, taking on the challenges, looking for a solution to that challenges, and keep moving forward. There's nothing that I would say overwhelming for us. It was just a challenge that we looked for a solution, found it, and moved on. And what do you think is one of the hardest adjustments you had to make when becoming a brewery owner? I live three houses from the brewery. Okay. So where it used to be an hour and a half each way to work if I wasn't flying around the country for my old job. Right. Uh, it was actually reconnecting, you know, with the family and being home. I was away a lot in the corporate world. Now being three houses away, you're, you're back with your family. Not a bad thing at all. Right. Just had to, you know, be home every single night. And one of the things that it was important for us is to make sure that everybody was home at six o'clock for dinner and, and have dinner at the table. That's great. Uh, that's not something you see anymore, you know? Right, exactly. That was an important thing, you know, for the family. It wasn't a hard adjustment, but uh, it was just a new adjustment for me. And uh, what are some qualities that you possess that make you a good business owner? Willing to listen, understand, have an open mind, 
uh, on things. We we do a lot of stuff here in the community. I don't think there's any one thing that makes it a success. I think it's a combination of the things. And for us was um, we built a philanthropic aspect um, to the business from the beginning. We call ourselves Six Harbors because there's six harbors in Huntington. Right. Yeah. And each of the harbors have a beer named after them. I think one of the things that has helped us, you know, people from Centerport, Northport, Duck Island, Ash Roking, Beavisnet, Cold Spring Harbor, uh, Lloyd Harbor, come to the brewery because they want to drink a beer named after their town. Right. They enjoy that. But also, each of those harbors have a charity associated to them. Our Huntington Harbor Hoppy, or double IPA, is the charity that we use is the St. Hugh Catholic Church down in Huntington Station, where I used to be a coordinator for the girls' basketball team. And okay. so a portion of those canned proceeds that we sell from the brewery go to help support the uh, soup kitchen and after school program down at the church. Very cool. And take that with other things, you know, throughout the town, the 1653 Foundation, YMCA, all the churches, high schools, junior highs, middle schools, elementary schools, primary schools, um, all come to us. And we're more than happy. We're big on education. Whatever they need, uh, they need a growler, they need a gift card, they need a shirt for their event that they're hosting, we're more than happy to do it. One of the things I learned in the corporate world for me during a conference I went to, Mark Spitz, the uh, Olympic swimmer, uh, was on the speaking tour. And he spoke at one of our conferences. He had a a lapel pin. And it said, no deposit, no return. So whatever you don't put in, you don't get back. What also helped us with our success during the pandemic was all the giving that we were doing before it came back in spades as people from our community reached out to help support us as we support them. Yeah, I love that. I'm big on that. Definitely give more than you get type of uh, mentality, you know? Yeah, if you can, pay it forward. Right. So uh, I know you've probably come across many, many people in the brewing industry. Who do you think has inspired you the most? Paul down at Coach Brewing. Yeah, he's a great guy. He makes really, really good beers, really interesting, off-the-style charts uh, kind of beer. Uh, he's out there, you know, working hard every single day. And really, a lot of the guys on the island, we belong to the Long Island Brewers Guild, and we, we meet, you know, once a month, every other month sometimes. And we sit down and we go through, you know, how can we make brewing, craft beer brewing on Long Island, you know, more popular, more effective, you know, how can we get everybody a piece of the pie so they can, uh, you know, run their business? So it's a lot of, um, you know, giving and sharing of ideas of what's working at other uh, places that we listen to and we look at, obviously, you know, lo- looking at social media and seeing what other breweries are doing around the country and how are they hosting, what kind of events they're putting on. Uh, we're actually trying to put on an event. We're in the early stages of uh, putting together the uh, North Shore uh, Gold Coast Classic Craft Beer Festival that we're looking to put in June and, and having trend, you know, craft breweries from the area uh, awesome. come on down so we can get people from the South Shore up to the North Shore to try craft beer right. in one location and stuff like that. You know, just working with uh, people, moving the craft beer dial, you know, further and uh, grabbing some more market share from the, the big boys. That's always a big thing to do. Yeah, and I look forward to uh, seeing that festival, man. 
Yeah, it should it should be pretty good. It's going to be different from most festivals. Uh, we want to have the the brewers that come up uh, to have more skin in the game, uh, so they can one uh, market their beers and have people who haven't tried their beers try you know ten different beers in one location and you know give them a marketing opportunity and uh, you know also get a paycheck that day too. Yeah, I don't think I've been to a beer festival since you know before COVID, so that would be yeah. uh, that'd be awesome to to see that again. Yeah, slowly coming back. Yep, thank God. And how do you yourself define success? It's pretty simple. I look at uh, 80% of small businesses fail within the first three years of their existence. Right. So my goal was not to be one of those statistics. Right. And that's what I, I kind of really define success as, uh, being able to survive. One of our goals during the height of COVID was not to be able to dip into the checkbook to survive and try to, you know, keep on the business growing organically without going and, and writing checks to keep the business afloat. And we did that. We were able to do that. And so that was in our, in our eyes, you know, made the, and kept the business successful. You know, not being a statistic and uh, not dipping into the checkbook during COVID, probably my definition. Gotcha. And I know your your job, you're on Wall Street uh, for, you said, 30 years? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that was a, a little hectic at some point. Um, how important is a mental break now that you own a brewery? I don't think there's any change. It's just uh, I was in the distribution game on Wall Street. One of the products that I sold were called mutual funds. Okay. Our goal was to increase our share, our market space out there with mutual funds. And so I had to go out to different uh, distribution sites, Merrill Lynch of America, Citibank, Payne Weber at the time, or now UBS, gain market share um, and sell our products. Beer, to me, is just like mutual funds, the distribution game. What makes our brewery very different from a lot of other breweries, we don't distribute our beer. I mean, we have some accounts in town, some bars and restaurants, California Pizza Kitchen, stuff like that. Right. Uh, I would say 99% of our beer is sold over the counter. You really kind of can't get our beer unless you come to the brewery, which kind of makes us different and unique. We have a single can canning machine that we've uh, canned over 85,000 cans at the nice. brewery. And we don't pre-can our beer. We make every beer fresh from the tap, the can. And so with that in mind, you can get a four-pack of mix and match your beers for the same price of buying a four-pack. So if you come in with your gotcha. girlfriend and you like IPAs and she likes the blueberry wheat, we don't upsell you and make you buy two different beers, two four-packs. Right. Um, you can split the four-pack and get two and two. They're very happy with that. And we do that because we want our customers to be our beer ambassadors and go out there and spread the word uh, on Six Harbors and how they like the place. It's a feel-good place. They see the owners there all the time, hanging out, you know, working and uh, being customer-friendly and saving folks a couple of bucks. And you're coming up on four years. Yeah, on uh, May 4th. Yeah. will be our fourth year. So we um, kind of, in a way, have um, not party that uh, statistic that, right. uh, on May 5th. Good for you. We'll so, what do you think's been the biggest change in the last four years in the beer industry for you? The, the industry is constantly changing. You're, you're seeing a lot of different styles that are coming out. People are trying to, you know, what's going to be the next big style? You know, hazy, juicy IPAs, or is it now going to be something with lagers? Uh, the milkshake IPA out there. The ability to, or the brewing process, new machinery out there, faster times getting product to market quicker. We're looking at a new monitoring system for our fermenters. Um, instead of taking your typical gravity readings, we're now going to be hooking up 
computer systems to the tanks to have them monitor for us. Um, so I can just go on my phone and take a look at what the gravity readings are versus doing it manually. Right. Um, awesome. Just give us some time, which is great. So I think it just explosion of innovation, both from a creative standpoint and also from an equipment standpoint in the industry to uh, you know make it easier for brewers to build quality products consistently. And uh, my favorite question, what was your gateway beer into the craft beer world? For me, when I first had my first pale ale from Sierra Nevada, um, I thought I was drinking pine tar. You know, <laughs> and myself, how can people drink this stuff? But you you get used to it and um, you start, you know, picking up your mouth becomes a little more synthesized to all the different flavors in there. But for me, it's been the wheats. I think a lot of people forget about the wheats and we kind of um, accentuate the wheats at Six Arbors. Um, we make a blueberry wheat that is our number one selling beer, probably outsells every other beer two to one. Awesome. Uh, at the brewery, we have a lot of guys that come in saying, I don't drink fruit beers, and they'll come back for a second pint after trying it. That's probably my gateway beer. We started with that beer and when we first opened, and it was just going to be a summer beer for us. When the fall came and we started switching up our lineup, people were like, you know, where's the blueberry wheat? And we're like, oh, we'll have it next summer. It's just a summer beer for us. Like, oh, okay, well, we'll see you next summer because we're going to wait for it. That's right. what we came here for. Jeez. We had so many people saying that, that we had to, you know, bring the beer back and it now it's on tap, pretty much our flagship beer. We have to keep it on tap all the time for our customers. That's awesome. Like I said, it's a, it's a fruit beer and a lot of people are like, ah, that's not my thing, but it's pretty amazing. You know, a lot of people like that. We are, uh, we kind of run the spectrum. We're not IPA heavy on our, you know, we all have, you know, two IPAs on tap at any one time. But, you know, we'll do the wheats, the lagers, the pilsners, the ales, the porters, the stouts. Uh, have a uh, all New Zealand ingredient pilsner on tap right now. Uh, people, One thing people like about our breweries is that there is something for one somebody that comes there. There's something on their style category that we have up on the menu board for them to drink. Right. I think that's important when I when I go to a brewery is that, you know, like I see a little bit of variety instead of the... Because you, you see it a lot, and especially when it like comes to, like, IPAs. But sometimes I'm in the mood for a porter or a stout or a really good, you know, Czech or Belgium or whatever. And it just a, a lot of times you go into a place and it's, like, 13 IPAs on tap. And it's like, all right, come on. <laughs> like, I love an IPA as much as the next guy. But I was like, come on, a little variety sometimes. Yeah, well, 13 IPAs, and then their their other beer is a pale ale. Right, so, exactly. Yeah, great. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. <laughs> you have a water? I'll take water. Yeah, right. What's What's next for your brewery? What's the uh, the future look like for Six Well, you know, we think about that all the time. At some point, for us to grow, we're probably going to have to get into the distribution game. And, you know, we kind of really rack our brains about that a lot. I did some research through my brother-in-law in distribution development. And it's tough out there with, you know, 40 breweries just in Suffolk County alone. For you to be, you know, a consistent person on a tap at a bar or restaurant is tough because it's they have the ability, you know, it's in their favor to switch it up. You know, many different beers. So if you're lucky enough to get, you know, a six stool on a tap handle, and then it goes real quick, and the guy's like, yeah, we're out. I'm like, great, I'll bring another one over. Oh, no, 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 um, I got another guy already set up behind you. Because, the, you know, the biggest thing is 
you know, you'll have, you know, the big guys coming into a lot of bars and restaurants and redoing their whole tap system. And they'll say, we'll pick it up. But, you know, of the 10 taps, eight of them have to come off our truck. Right. And you could have two taps for independence. Well, if that's the case, and there's 40 breweries just on Long Island alone, not considering the growth in Nassau County, Queens, and Brooklyn, you're lucky if you get that beer on that tap handle once every six months. So, you know, it's there's not a lot of profit. I mean, you have to hire sales guys to go sell the beer. You have to have drivers to go drive the beer to the location. Then you need Rocco and Bruno to go collect your money. Half the guys don't want to pay in, you know, <laughs> within the 30 days. Right. You got to discount the beer. You got to... They lose your keg, you can't find your keg, and so the margins are razor thin already. So it's a lot of work just to get your beer going outside your brewery. Uh, but like I said, at some point, we're going to have to make that decision. Uh, we haven't made it now. We're happy with our business model now. But the other thing that we just got approved for from by the town is we have space upstairs, and we're going to build upstairs. We're going to build actually a, a distillery, and so we will distill Tequila, vodka, gin, bourbon, awesome. apple, and moonshine. We'll do whiskey, white whiskey. Uh, we'll do RTDs. We'll do slushes uh, in the summertime. Um, nice. So that's kind of our, our growth uh, plan right now. We'll be the only distillery slash brewery, you know, in one location on Long Island, which you know should be a uh, you know a nice thing for us. Yeah, it's a beautiful uh, thing. But then you know, like I said, it, it, it only takes you so far, and you got to figure out: well, do we get into distribution, or do we open up? another as i like to call them stores another brewery right you know in another location on long island or in another state or upstate as part of our expansion plans we'll have to see what that happens right well best of luck with all of that for sure thanks a lot of work yeah somebody came to you and asked you for advice on opening their own brewery as i'm sure they do what would you tell them real easy write a business plan yeah because it's just it's just an idea until you write it down. I actually had a family come in probably last year, and the, the gentleman wanted to open up somewhere on Center Island an outdoor beer garden. That was great. And anyway, he just wanted to have all craft beer at it. I go, that's that's terrific. I go, who, who, who's funding it? And his parents were there. They kind of, you know, begrudgingly, they raised their hands. And I looked them square in the eye. I go, have you read his business plan yet? Oh, well, he's um, just, you know, but, you know, they, you know, kind of make it. I said, listen. Don't give this guy a penny of your money until you see a business plan. Right. Because it's an idea right now until he puts it to plan. People don't plan to fail. They just fail to plan. Exactly. And it's all about planning. You need to have a roadmap in your hands. And that roadmap is your vision. And you have to take a look at And you got to, as I always say, you got to do the work. Yeah. That's the hardest part. Once you have that down, we knew. You know, very, you know, quick story. If I'm sorry if I'm getting off track here. No, for a second, fine. But, Continue. Um, there was uh, two guys out east. I was uh, part of my research. Uh, I saw these guys were looking for investors for a brewery, you know, out in Riverhead. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe instead of me opening up a brewery now, maybe I'll just be an investor and that'll be another way for me to kind of get my hands dirty um, to a certain extent without, you know, jumping in with both feet. Right. So I invited them to Huntington to sit down and say, hey, I guess I'm interested in your, you're looking to open up a brewery. I have an interest in maybe being an investor. Let's sit down, picnic table, and talk about it. So we talked about it. They had a business plan, I should say. And they you know, gave it to me to, to read and everything like that. And I kind of looked at it. 
And, you know, things were good. They told me about this. They were, you know, two guys who, you know, had regular jobs, but they were going to do all the work themselves. They had this great location, you know, in the middle of Riverhead. You know, things are going well. And so we kind of ended up the meeting, and then I kind of did what I like to call as a, a little Columbo. At the last minute, you know, as he's walking away, he goes, ah, I got one more question for you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I kind of did it to these guys. I said, hey, you know, one more thing before we go. How much does it cost for an ounce of beer to produce? And they couldn't answer it. They go, well, you know, it really depends. You know, seasons, pricing. I go, yeah, I understand that. You know, things come and go. But give me a, give me a rough idea how much it's going to cost. And they, you know, they kind of flubbed it. They were, they weren't really sure. I go, guys, I'm out. Right. And they, I'd be like, I had three heads. I go, guys, what do you look so surprised for? He goes, well, we had such big conversation. I go, guys, if you would have no idea how much it's going to cost for you to produce an ounce of beer, right? How are you going to know how much this equipment? I mean, you want to build all this equipment yourself. How much is that going to cost to build? I found out they went through like $150,000 through friends and family that they raised money and they blew through that and they raised another $100,000 and they never opened their doors. Wow. So uh, yeah. it was kind of eye-opening to me to make sure that all my I's were dotted and P's were crossed. It, 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 it took three and a half years. Yeah. Three and a half years before I, I you know, bit the bullet and I jumped in with two feet. Yeah. P- piss poor planning, you know? Yeah. I knew the industry was, you know, exploding and, you know, wanted to get in, but I was really, really nervous and concerned. And uh, I wanted to make sure that, you know, I could probably plan for another three years too, you know? And I finally had enough chutzpah to uh, take the plunge and go and do it. And, um, you know, things have worked out pretty good so far. Happy to hear it. 100%. Thanks. And uh, did you happen to have a funny story for us? I do have a funny story. So, awesome. um, you know, we're, we've been open for a bit and we would have this, uh, nurse from Huntington hospital who would come in, um, every so often. I don't want to say daily because that she would feel offended, but yeah, she came in daily. So I'll tell you. Everybody. <laughs> um, so one day she would take the blueberry wheat and the next day she would do the blood orange wheat, blueberry, blood orange, going back and forth. She goes, Mark, I, I really don't know what to have today. And I go, I think I have what you're looking for. And I, I gave her uh, a sample of this other beer. She goes, this is fantastic. What is this? Because it's your two favorite beers. I just combined them. <laughs> so I took the blueberry wheat and the blood orange, add them together. Uh, and she goes, I love this. And another customer overheard. She goes, hey, I'll try that. And uh, we came up with a new beer called Blue Bloods. We call it Blue Bloods Fusion because we fused the two beers together. And now it's a mainstay on our, uh, our menu board because so many people love it. Awesome. I have to try this beer. Sounds sounds good. Well, I have a little segment called Quick Fire Five. Five quick questions, beer related. You ready? Sure. Somebody comes into your tap room. I think I already know the answer, but what's one of the beers that you recommend they try? The blueberry wheat. Blueberry wheat. Uh, if you could collaborate with any other brewery on a beer, who would it be? Uh, Ghost Brewing. Uh, favorite style of beer? I do have three styles, pilsners, lagers, and wheats. But if I had to, you know, nail it down, probably be a lager. Last beer that you drank that blew you away? Barrel-aged bourbon beer. Was it, do you know specifically whose it was, or? It was Six Harbors. Oh, it was yours? I made it. Another quick story behind that. I bought some bourbon barrels from a distiller up in uh, Lyle, New York. My daughter goes to Ithaca, and on the way back, I saw this little sign that said distillery stopped in. I uh, had a nice conversation with the uh, proprietor, 
and uh, I bought some bourbon barrels from them. Put one of my American lagers in it and a black IPA in the other one. Uh, so we opened up, we had the black bourbon IPA, which was delicious. And I forgot about the lager, the American lager. I was supposed to let it sit for four months and let it sit for eight months. And the charcoal from the barrel, along with the oakiness from the wood, and then the residue from the bourbon made just a fantastic tasting beer for a lager. Oh, man. Making me thirsty. I'm not going to lie. Making, <laughs> making me thirsty. And you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two-week quarantine. What beer are you choosing? You know, I do like the uh, Pacifico. It's kind of my go-to when I see it around. If it's available, I'll definitely grab it. Awesome. Well, Mark, that's uh, that's all I got for you, man. Mike, well, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate uh, reaching out to me and you know talking about beer on your podcast, and uh, look forward to uh, listening to it. Yeah, I love talking about beer, and it's it's yeah. it's one of my favorite things to do. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast here with Mark Hewitt, co-owner of Six Harvest Brewing Company in Huntington, New York. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to my interview with Mark Hewitter of Six Harbor Brewing Company in Huntington Village, New York. Whether you're passing through, you live in the area, just visiting a friend nearby, definitely check them out. Give them a follow on social media while you're at it. And check out those poochies while you're at it. Barley, Buddy, and Brandy. There's a new one. You'll only find out if you go there. Every other Sunday, I'll be releasing a new episode, so subscribe and you'll never miss one. Also, give us a follow on social media for updates on the podcast. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast. You stay safe out there.